Disclaimer, warning, the content will examine phenomena that some would find offensive, inappropriate, insensitive and triggering. This content neither suggests, nor implies, medical, or any other professional advice. This is a light-hearted discussion of a comedian and his therapist friend engaged in hypothetical conversation on black mental health and race. In no way are the following views and content associated, or affiliated, with this, or any other, platform that this podcast may be accessed. All information and opinion are independent expression of free speech that a reasonable person may freely consider adapting or opposing in their own paradigm. Uh, assalamu alaikum, brother. Peace to God. Peace to the universe. I want to thank the, uh, I think we got about anywhere from three to five to six uh, loyal listeners out there, brother. I want to thank whoever that is for listening into the podcast. This podcast is called Black Mental Health and Race. Not a very popular subject, but we try to keep it lighthearted. We don't like to discuss too many serious issues. Um, <laughs> but uh, we do discuss serious topics here. Um, I am your host, MF Doug AF, and my co-host is Dr. Moore. Welcome back, Dr. Moore, to Black Mental Health and Race. Indeed. Uh, I'd be remiss in my duties if I did not start off by saying happy holidays to the universe and um, a happy new year, which is uh, speculative and subjective, depending on when you think the new year starts and um, when you think a holiday is appropriate, depending on your belief system. So generically, we just say happy holidays. That would include Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, and the major religions, and uh, everything in between, brother, to the pagan holiday. So lighten up the Christmas tree. I bought my granddaughter a little um, miniature tree, something that even if she knocked down, she couldn't... Um, hurt herself and set the damn house on fire. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> nice, 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 nice induction to the brainwashing. Yes, sir. <laughs> How long before you stop believing in Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy, brother? Say that again? How long it took before you stopped believing in Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy? Well, I grew up poor. I ain't never believed in no Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy. (laughs) (laughs) You grew up in an abusive household. Thank God for your grandmother. (laughs) You wouldn't have been saved from anything. (laughs) Yeah. So similar to peace. Yeah, so I mean, I I I ain't ever have to worry about you know fat white man coming out of my chimney because I ain't never had a chimney. Yes, sir. And I knew, and I knew, and I knew God doggone well wasn't no fat white man coming to the projects. 
<laughs> Not in this lifetime. Or <laughs> uh, any poor community that I was in, so. Yeah, so I I didn't I didn't ever have to, you know, worry. Well, I didn't ever have to think about that happening, and I don't know who the, <laughs> the two fairy is, but it, if it's anything like what I think, uh, some Twitter trolls come to bring you some money for two, <laughs> he gonna get robbed. <laughs> He's gonna get, yeah, he's, he's gonna get something. <laughs> He'll be robbed in a selfie. Brace yourself, fool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the <laughs> the upbringings that we had. Um, I was kind of fortunate. Um, I believed in um, Santa Claus till I was about like in the third or fourth grade mm. and um, I, I started to realize without my mother and father telling me that they were indeed Santa Claus and that it was not um, easy providing us with gifts at the year end and um, trying to make us happy um, but uh, we kept up the um, the belief, or um, pretended to believe, just in order to keep the gifts coming each year. But um, I kind of had an inkling in my mind that uh, this was all BS. I still didn't understand why it was BS or why we had to even imagine that. Um, but I hope with uh, my granddaughter, I can um, show her beliefs without um, um, letting her be strange to other people. It's just an introduction to different cultures. Um, and as she gets older, explanation of uh why people do the things that they do and believe the things that they do. And we'll see how it goes. Uh, no, I, I can tell you for sure. I, I didn't raise my kids telling them no shit like that. I told them from day one there wasn't no Santa Claus. And I told them from day one you ain't got to worry about you ain't got to worry about no 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 Santa Claus coming down this chimney because if he do it he, he I tell you what, if he comes down this chimney, he'll be here when you get up because his ass will be laid down. <laughs> That's for sure. Are That's you sure. too militant with your children, brother? <laughs> no, nah, bro. I was too realistic. Did you them, alienate bro? them at school when they didn't get uh, any gifts at the year? Uh, no, because I really didn't care about what the school was, was teaching them. But what I wasn't going to do is I wasn't going to start my kids off by teaching them lies and then wonder why they lie to me after I hmm. taught them to after I taught them to lie. So I wasn't going to lie to my kids about you know where a gift came from if they got if they had a gift. Yes, you know? And I surely wasn't going to live in my house according to what other people were going to be doing at school and what other people were going to be doing in their homes. 
you know, I could care less about that. So, Indeed. you know, so no, I didn't, I didn't, um, that wasn't a part of my psyche at all. In fact, I told my wife before we had kids that I wasn't, if we weren't going <laughs> to celebrate Christmas. I wasn't going to bring that shit in, into my house. So she, <laughs> she was already aware that, you know, if, if she were to have kids by me, that that's not something that we were going to be doing. You know, and the same way with all the rest of those holidays, Easter, Easter baskets, bunny rabbits and Easter, you know, Halloween, uh, Valentine's Day. I wasn't doing any of that shit. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) And I have, and I haven't to this day. Do you think you deprived your children of any fun? <laughs> do I do I think I've deprived my kids of any fun? Do I think I deprived my kids of any lies? You know, absolutely <laughs> not. I think my, my kids were, were, were blessed, bro. You know, they they had yes, gifts sir. all year round. <laughs> yes, sir. Indeed. So, if anybody was deprived as a kid, it was me. Hmm. I, I wasn't getting shit regardless. It, whether it was Christmas, <laughs> birthday, it didn't matter. And we don't have it, and you ain't getting it. <laughs> You'd be lucky not to get an ass with exactly. on them days. <laughs> and that's what you're going to get if you come in here asking for some shit you know, that I can't afford. So... <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, any uh, hindsight, uh, uh, insight uh, after the fact? Now that your children are almost grown. Mm. A couple years back, I want to say I think I told you this story. I want to say about maybe three years ago, two three years ago. Um, my kids came to me and said um, that they wanted to put up a, a Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah. And um, they came to me with a, they had a whole PowerPoint slide that they had <laughs> created on, on, on Christmas. Right? And um, what they knew about Christmas, what they knew, what what they knew was what was real, and what was <laughs> not real, and how they weren't going to be brainwashed by the commercialism of Christmas, <laughs> and where the Christmas tree came from, and that they knew that it wasn't, uh, they knew December twenty fifth wasn't the birth uh, birthday of Christ. Uh, they had this whole detailed PowerPoint, bro, and I have to say that I was really, I was really impressed with it. So I am to this day, even when hearing that story. Yeah, so I told them after, after that, I said, "Well, I tell you what, you know, if you know, after all this, if your mom wants to take her money and and buy you guys a tree." And the lights and all the rest of the foolishness that, that comes with that, then that's fine. <laughs> but I can tell you that I'm not going to spend one dime 
on any of that foolishness. So the very next day, they and their mom went out and they got a tree and they had that tree tied to the car and the top of that, that car and they, uh, my son brought it in in the house and man, they spent a couple hours decorating that tree and they was excited it, it seemed and after about a good 24 hours that tree was abandoned and leaves started to fall off of that thing and it became a fire hazard I ended up I ended up having to take that stupid tree out of the house because everybody had abandoned it and didn't care anymore after the 25th was gone. And nobody nobody wanted to have anything else to do with that stupid tree. So I ended up having to drag that tree out of the house. Down the steps. Oh. And then I had to clean up all those dead leaves and all the rest of that crap mm-hmm. that was left all from the tree. Fine leaves everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the fun in all of it, brother. <laughs> I tell you, this is a not so serious podcast, <laughs> and we all got uh, things to learn and <laughs> things that we don't want to participate in, but. Somehow, our kids um, get us involved anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's well, the beauty I, of kids, brother. They, they bring you to another level. I know most of the times I can't understand my daughter and the things she do, things she decides to do. But I, I can't say I'm learning. I don't agree with all of it, but uh, it's a open learning experience. Mm-hmm. I try to stay open, even though I agree with like ninety, <laughs> disagree with ninety-eight percent of the crap they decided to. But um, I think that's the um, one of the beauties. It's not many. Getting older, you begin to see that. Um, People are going to make their own path in life. And uh, at some point, you got to let them do that. Um, of course, you're going to pay for every mistake that they do, man. Every, every choice that uh, doesn't work out properly will fall back on you. But, maybe, um, maybe, bro, but I think it's different. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was different for me because... Mm-hmm. I don't think any of my choices fell back on my parents because mm-hmm. at least not from anything that I can remember as a teenager because anything mm-hmm. that any trouble or whatever that I got into, um, I ultimately paid the price. Um, right. it's, diff- it's different for me as a parent because, you know, a lot of what might happen with my kids will fall does fall back on me but mm-hmm. um the lack of parenting for me um as a kid meant that um you know 
I hit my head against the wall a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and there was nobody there to, to save me. Right. You had emancipation from your parents earlier than probably will happen to your own children. Well, I don't know if I want to say emancipation. I probably have more abandonment than than anything right. else because right. they just they just weren't they just weren't there. Right. So, and I mean, so, even, brother. I'm Go sorry. Ahead. No, I was just saying, like, even like with my son, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and and, and it, you know, and, and getting him a car for his graduation. And mm-hmm. we came home for Christmas this time, and we had to uh, put a starter on his car. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and today we had to go put some some tires on this car, um, mm-hmm. and just teaching him basics about a car. Like, okay, Khalid, do you know where? Um, do you know how to put oil in a car? Do you know how to mm. check the oil? You know, just mm. basic things. And I was like, man, you know, when I was your age, there was no way that I didn't know, you know, how to put power steering fluid in a car. You know, mm. how to how to check the oil. Just basic things. You know, how to mm. put um, uh, Freon, you know, in the radiator. You know things like that. Just, just showing him. You know, but you know, I didn't have a parent to teach me that. I learned that on, you know, on my own. Mm. You know, just you know, with, with with you know friends and the streets and just having a car. That's how I learned those things. But I didn't have anybody to teach me those things. So that's why I say, you know, it is different to me for them because yeah, a lot of this stuff you end up paying for. You know, and things like that. But that wasn't the case for, for me as a kid. You know, if I had a if I had a vehicle or if I had a problem, I learned that shit on the fly. Hmm. Yes, sir. So. Speaking of uh, tires, ch- changing tires, there's a story out with the uh, video that I sent you. I don't know if you had an opportunity to look at it. In this last minute before we went on the air, um, but it's a story of uh, changing a tire while black. Um, it set up um, quite a bit of controversy in the uh, good old state of Alabama, brother, where the um, where we know that um, overt racism is alive and well. And um, Mr. Charlie, as we used to say in the South, is in charge. And uh, what Mr. Charlie says, do you have to do? Um, at first, I looked at this video. Did you get a chance to see it? Yeah, I saw some of it. And um, well, that wasn't the first time I, I've heard about that video. So okay. um, I saw it. I, it what was your first impression of the incident? You know, I'll be honest, bro. I don't know how this is going to sound, 
But I think I, in some ways, I've, in some ways, I've kind of become numb to that that type of stuff. So it, I I wasn't really that shocked. Um, it didn't, you know. Unfortunately, it, it it didn't seem that abnormal abnormal to me. Right. Um, that that's true. So the the cop abusing her power. I mean, to me, it was almost like any given Sunday. Not natural. <laughs> yeah, it, it, whether it you're like, north or the south, that ain't unnatural. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't really taken aback by it. Um, it, it. It it seemed like um, a normal day um, of work for that cop um, <laughs> in Alabama. But even if it wasn't Alabama, it, it, it could be D.C., New York, South Carolina. Um, it's just all about the, the cop that you run into and what kind of day that, that, that they're having and what kind of power trip that they're on. And it just seemed to me, based on what I saw, that the cop was just really on a power trip. You know, she kept referencing, oh, you, you big and bad. You know, you, ain't, you aren't big and bad now. And it was just all about... <laughs> Like breaking this, breaking this guy down. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I thought I just thought she was power tripping. So now you do realize what prompted this. Um, this guy was changing the tire. Let me give a quick uh, analysis of the video for those who haven't seen it or those who have seen it, but um, just want a quick reference to it. This guy, his, um, I believe that is his girlfriend and his brother in the car. They pull over on the side of the road for a flat tire. Not un- not unnatural. Um, these things happen. That's why you need to know your car, like you were just saying. And you need to know how to change your tire. So they're out there changing the tire. Now, police officers are allowed to do what an attorney told me is called a wellness check. If they see somebody on the side of the road having trouble with their car, they are allowed to stop. Is everybody okay? Somehow from that interaction, it led to this police officer probably power tripping, asking for everybody's ID. What she noticed was that there was a bulge in one of the gentlemen's um, pocket. Now, what I didn't know is that in states like Alabama, Texas, and I think even Florida, um, South Carolina doesn't have it yet, but um, you are allowed to carry a concealed weapon without a permit. That would be unthinkable in New York City. Um New York State gun laws are kind of um, they're kind of loose, but for New York City, once you get in this ordinance, this sheriff in town in New York City, you could be arrested for having a legal gun permit from another state. That's the ordinance in New York City, and New York City is not a state; it's just a little city, one of many in New York State. But um, this is like um, the old Wild West. Like, um, what was the guy? Um, 
what was that movie with the um Gene Hackman? I'll get to that in a minute, but um you had to surrender your weapon when you came to his town. That's that's the way New York plays gun laws. They don't give a damn about your constitutional rights. They have an ordinance that usurps the law. So nobody could do anything. But in Alabama, I didn't know this. Did you know that you can carry a concealed weapon without a permit? You don't even need a permit for it. Did you know that? I don't think I knew that, but I'm not surprised by that. Right. So they, they just changed the law in uh, 2022, allowing anybody. You don't have to have um, a license to buy a gun and to carry it concealed, completely concealed. So at at first, everything is okay with this gentleman called uh, Makai Washington. This is a, a 24-year-old. It's going to get familiar to you in terms of the ages of your son compared to this guy. It's not too far off. Makai Washington is out there changing his tire. The police officer during the wellness check notices a bulge in the right-hand pocket. So this officer's name is Dana Elmore. Dana Elmore, Officer Elmore, asked to see everybody's ID. So um, I tell this to black men when encountering police to be as cooperative as possible, even if you think they're wrong. Um, because this could end very badly because it, he's lucky that it was just a taser that she pulled out and not her actual revolver. She could have still been all in the wrong. But the one thing you can't get back as a father is your son. Even if you don't think he was overreacting, just to put this out, this message out in the universe, any slight discomfort that a police officer feels is never going to bring back your son or daughter. Just putting that caveat onto the universe. Because you could sue after the fact. In fact, this guy, Makai Washington, has got the NAACP to take his case for $20 million. So I'm happy for that. And I'm happy that he got to walk away from the situation. But so many people have not walked away, have not been able to walk away from situations with police officers. So that's why I bring this up. But to continue the story right quick, and then I'll get your response. Um, the two brothers refused to give their ID. They questioned the officer, which you have every right to do. Unfortunately, no state in the U.S., the United States of America, has 50 states. And no state in the United States of America can you resist lawfully anything that a police asks you during a police investigation, even if it's unlawful. So uh, to take an extreme, if the officer tells you to strip naked 
there's no lawful right for her to do that. But during a police stop, you're supposed to cooperate within reason. It's an extreme to take off your clothes. That scenario usually will never happen unless it's a rogue police officer. But here, the uh, officer Elmore is asking for identification. Whether she's right or wrong, I would advise people as black parents and as parents in general. You may have a constitutional right to something to not be, um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for, discriminated against or racially profiled, but do that afterwards in court. I have stressed that this whole year, brother, of 2023, and we're getting to the end of this year, and I want everybody to end safely. So to continue the story, they refuse to give their ID. That's how this guy, Makai Washington, ends up on the floor. The the other brother finally gave up his ID, but um, Makai Washington continued to protest that he wasn't going to give up his ID. So that's where the name calling came from. She said, you were talking so much shit <clears throat> until I was on the ground. Shut your bitch ass up. You want me to tase you again? That doesn't mean that she was absolutely right. But as the law states, and as the courts must decide in favor of the police officer, if they are in a police stop, I'll stress it again. You have to comply with any reasonable request from a police officer, whether you think it's unconstitutional or not. Um, so based on that, what is you? what was your impression of this guy crying on the car after being tased? Did you get any emotional rise or it just didn't affect you? Oh, you didn't relate it to your son? No, I, I, I didn't. Um, and I, no, I, I didn't get emotional um, at all. I It just made sense to me that if you get hit uh, with a taser, that it, it might hurt enough to make you cry. That's the thought that I got. <laughs> um. I've never gotten hit with a taser, but you, you remember my cousin Boo Boo, Nick Marcus. Mm -hmm. This motherfucker used to get hit with a taser <laughs> and still be standing up. So I I, I thought it was kind of weak. That, that's my impression of the video. I'm like, yo, why the fuck is this dude crying like that? So you I had that an dude, adverse reaction that, to it. That dude, that dude was sober. I'm sure Nick was drunk. <laughs> he ain't feel nothing. <laughs> My cousin ain't feel no pain. Right. He probably <laughs> felt some pain when he when he sobered up the next day. <laughs> but you, you know, you, and they you know, tased them, you, the police in South Carolina tased them more than once. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you if you 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 get if you're drunk enough, you know, you can get into a fight and get stomped out. 
and and you don't, and don't feel none of it till the next day. Yeah. So speaking it, of getting I, stomped out, you heard Charleston White got attacked again. We're gonna talk about him before we end the podcast. Yeah. So um, it it made sense to me that, that the dude um, he was in his right state of mind. So in your right state of mind, if you get electrocuted, you're gonna feel something. And <laughs> not only did he feel something, but the threat of danger was 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 apparent, right? In that he didn't know. I'm sorry. It was supreme. The threat of danger was the uh, first priority. Right, and so you know him getting hit. It wasn't like he got hit and then was like, "Okay, I'm not going to shock you again." He didn't know how many more times he was going to continue to feel that feeling. Mm. So he was he was trying to. In, in my opinion, show that look, you know, I'm in pain. Please don't do this again. So that's that's what I saw. Mm -hmm. And you know, yeah. that wasn't my initial reaction, and I thought there was something wrong with me because I'm like, so why is you bitching out like that? I, right. I I I immediately had a the the wrong reaction, and I was like, yo. And so I went and looked up what did he do wrong because i'm wondering why he's crying like that i initially thought this motherfucker did something wrong come to find out you can't be a felon in any state even if you're allowed to have no permit and conceal weapons if you're a felon you can't have a gun in public were you aware of that very much aware of that. So, so, so he got charged with um, um, resisting arrest, and uh, I, I think it was um, being a felon without um, having um, having a, a felony on your record and being prohibited from carrying a gun at any time. And the third charge was um, possession of fentanyl and marijuana. So I also warn black men and women, especially young, because we tend to buck more when we're younger. As I got older, my and I had the same type of resistance to police officers when I was young. But as I got older and didn't want to get my face smashed into the ground, because they're taking you down, even if they got a call for backup, um, which is also what I wanted to talk about in terms of the psychology and behavior of officers. We don't know Dana's, um, Officer Dana Elmore's um, mind, nor do we know um, the assailant, um, Mackay um, Washington's mind. But what we want to do is use the story as an example. You being a licensed psychologist and me being just an observer of um, black activism to licensed. see if we can have an intelligent conversation about this. Um, a licensed, licensed, licensed therapist. My initial, my initial reaction. Was my initial reaction wrong? That he well, was just, bitching up? 
Well, first of all, let me clarify. I'm not a licensed psychologist. I'm a licensed therapist. Um, oh, okay. So I don't, I don't want people to get the wrong um, impression. <laughs> but did, did, are you, was your first impression wrong of him uh, bitching up? I absolutely up, think, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely think that was... I didn't see that the case at all. Uh, I thought he had a very normal reaction to being um, hit with a taser. I think the average mm-hmm. person that gets hit with gets hit with a t- taser is going down. Um, the only person that's not going to be affected by getting hit. I mean, otherwise, if that's the whole purpose of the the taser is to affect you and to stop you and to slow you down. If it's not going to do that, then it doesn't make sense for a police officer to have a taser. If anybody can take a taser, then that it makes no sense for them to have it, right? So there's a, there's that's that's the alternative to you know to them pulling their gun, and that's why in that right. case where that police officer said she felt like she, well she made a mistake, she thought she was pulling her taser and she pulled her gun, right? Mm. So that's why it's to me when when that's the first alternative when a police pulls their gun as opposed to all the other weapons they have, you know, like a they have pepper spray, they have um, a nightstick, they have a taser, and they have a gun. And so when they go to the gun as their first option, that's always problematic for me. So the answer to your question um, was your impression wrong. I don't know if wrong is the right word, but I definitely don't think that you assess that properly because jump to conclusions. Yeah, I mean that he was bitching up because he got tased. I mean, I don't know who wouldn't bitch up if they got tased on a normal in a normal situation like that. I mean, it would be different if he was on some psychedelics or he was drunk or something like that. Then, you know, he might not quote unquote bitch up. But, you know, without, you know, being high or being uh intoxicated, it makes sense that he would scream like that. I mean, ninety nine percent of the people that get hit with a taser is going to respond like that. Mm-hmm. I know during officer training you have to volunteer to get tased as part of the um the training. Um, because you need to know before they issue that taser what it feels like um, to administer the taser. Um, Contrarily, there is no test to see if uh, you could take a few bullets (laughs) before you uh, shoot somebody with a gun. Um, there's no police training for that, so um, I don't know how effective it is to even um, volunteer to take a taste, and if that gives you any um, insight into what a person is feeling strapped over a car and handcuffed. Um, I did notice the size of um, Makai Washington. He's at least a foot taller than the office of Elmore. And um, at least thirty to fifty pounds heavier than her. Is there 
more inclination for female officers to use excessive force to subdue somebody? And is that justified? Well, I don't know if I want to make it male or female. Um, I, I do simply because of the size and um, because you just mentioned the um, the, the other officer. I'm going to see if I can get the name of that officer. That story was about a woman that, that claimed that this uh, 17-year-old teenager was trying to evade police and she was going to tase him, but instead of pulling out her taser, she pulled out a gun, shot him right in the back with one handcuff on him. Um, it's a similar story, and I, I believe that um, women in those situations are uh, under more intense pressure. Um, even though she had backup with her, she had a, a fellow, two fellow officers witnessing the whole thing. She wound up shooting him. So that's the only reason I bring up the woman, the female aspect of it, trying to separate it from males that have to subdue a cop. I really actually wanted to talk about females in situations like this and their psyche or, or type of thinking about subduing someone. Well, if you don't, I, I, well, again, I think that's I. I don't want. I can't generalize that. I don't think it's fair to generalize that to females because I know male cops that might be um, smaller in stature that might re and respond the same. <laughs> I'm sorry. And softer. It's some yeah. of these female cops. <laughs> yeah, and, and would would respond, you know, in a very similar way. That's why I said I don't know if I want to make it male or female, mm -hmm. you know. And I think just for entertainment I, purposes of uh, continuing this this discussion, because I'm I'm trying to go somewhere with this. If you'll indulge me for a moment, but I am aware of your um, precaution. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm I'm not sure where you're trying to go. So what what okay. what exactly um, are you asking? Do you, do you think that females, given the the um, scenario I bring up, are more inclined to behavior of using excessive force compared to their size of of them and the assailant that they're trying to subdue? Would you find it natural? For them to be more inclined to use excessive force, would it be unreasonable? Is what I'm asking. I, Given that that scenario, not that that scenario is real, because you just proved me wrong on that. But I, I'm just saying, given that scenario, would it be unnatural or unreasonable for a female officer to use more tools? And just hand combat. I I think like this. I think that a professional female cop. I don't find it necessary for a, a trained professional police officer to use unnecessary force, right? Um, if she's a trained professional female officer and she's outweighed or something like that then I can see her. I don't I don't know that I would see that as excessive if she's 
um, if she's disadvantaged in terms of trying to take someone down. I, I, I don't know that I see that as excessive if the female officer um, is undersized or oversized in terms of the person that she's trying to take down. I think that I don't know that the force is at the force at that point is unnecessary because you have to balance. I think you have to just even, you kind of have to even the odds. Yes, sir. So at this point in the video, given your answer and my answer, we seem to be slightly on the same page. He has to subdue this guy. And, um, I'm I'm bringing it to you in in this manner because when you get to court and you have to bring this to the decision of a judge, and given that all judges in the United States have to give um, deference or preference to law enforcement in terms of using force to subdue someone, whether right or wrong, whether the person deserved to be arrested or not, you have to give, according to U.S. law, you have to give um, an advantage to the police officer, even if they're right or wrong in their arrest. Um, so as I'm watching this video, so this is my um, mental state watching this video. And also, my background is if you had an encounter with police, like I know plenty of times I pushed police officers way over the edge, and they would warn my boy, this is, this is how they de-escalated the situation. They would on, warn my boy, yo, get your man, take him away from me, because the next move I have to make as a police officer, thank God. They said this, and these were black cops. The next move I have to make as a police officer is to put him down. If you don't want to see your boy get hurt, he's running his mouth at me. He can't run his mouth at me. Take your boy away. And I'd walk, I'd I, I, I be kicking and screaming at my boy. Let me go. Fuck the police. But that was my young mind at the time. That was my defiant mind at the time, probably because of my previous history with cops. I really had a disdain for them. And um, it was only as I got older that I tried to see it from their, um, their shoes or their perspective. And so that is the whole reason I'm trying to have this discussion in a reasonable manner. You follow me so far? I think so. But <laughs> I, 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 any I'm, any I'm, comment? I'm, any feedback? Uh, yeah, but I, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not connecting um, what you're saying to I'm not connecting what you're saying in reference to the video because in my opinion I don't think that the cop I think the cop used excessive force not because she was a female I think she used excessive force because she was a cop 
because the guy was already subdued. He he already had hand, the handcuffs on him. She didn't. He wasn't resisting. So he and he was already bent over, you know, on on the car. So what she did at that point in terms of using uh, um, the 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 stunt gun on him, I thought was excessive. There was no need for that. At that point, she was just kind of bullying him, in my opinion. Like, okay, big bad guy. You know, not that he was, you know, um, exemplifying bully behavior. Not like he was calling her out of her name. Not like he was being threatening towards her. It, it was none of that. It was just, you know, I'm a cop. I have these resources. And I'm going to use them and I'm going to talk shit to you while I'm doing it. I, I thought that was excessive, but not because she was a female, but just because she was a cop. Yes, sir. And that's the, the beauty of having these discussions, because my next question to you was this. As I put in my video, was this um, probable cause because according to uh, the laws of the United States, even though you have a concealed weapon in these states like Alabama and Texas and Florida, where you can carry a concealed weapon without a permit, without um, anything, when you're in a police stop, you have to disclose that information. Um, now, this, this um, young man, Makai Washington never disclosed at any point during that police stop, I have a gun. Nor did he think it was necessary. But could you see how the police officer could have been triggered that something was suspicious? No, I don't. Because according to the law, anybody, if you spot a gun in somebody's pocket as, as a law enforcement, even though they're not using it in a crime, if you think that you have probable cause to um, suspect that they are going to initiate a crime with it later on, you can stop them and remove the weapon from them, which is no. what the video shows. It shows no. her removing the weapon from him and him not disclosing that he had a weapon until she reached into his pocket. Then he tried to say, oh, I had a gun. He said, so that's why she told him, get your bitch ass up because you had that opportunity. And no, you didn't even tell him. That's not, that's not what I saw at all. And, and I, I, I think the perspective that you're working from is from a perspective of a person in New York having a gun and a police officer acting that way in in New York. But I, I think if you're in Alabama, it is safe to assume that everybody has a gun because everybody can have a gun. So I don't think you you are as spooked um, in a state where there's open carry with, with or carry with, without a license. If that has to be a part of your training, if you're going to be in a state like that where everybody can have a gun, you, you could pretty much assume that a 12-year-old, 
a 13-year-old has a gun because anybody can have a gun without a license, right? It's almost like saying, you know, anybody can you drive You have to be 19 in most states. Right, but, but I'm saying, I'm, I'm talking specifically about states like Alabama, states where you can, you, you can have a gun without a license. I'm assuming that the, that the training in a state like that is part of the training is everybody, everybody has a gun. So, and what I know, you know, from the South, you know, and, and even, even my son going to uh, South Carolina State and coming from, coming from D.C. and Maryland, he doesn't see guns like that here because it's not legal. Right. But here, here he is on a college campus and damn near every student has a gun. Mm. Right? So it's safe to assume that the police officers down here are not shocked when they pull somebody over and they have a gun or someone has a gun in their car. That's not that's not abnormal. It would be it would be that way in DC, in Maryland, you know. If the police pull you over and they find that you have a gun, that's a that's something completely different here. That's an automatic charge. That's not a. I'm, I'm uh, my TV is on mute right now, but mm -hmm. the show that's on is called Cops. I typically watch it Friday and Saturday night. Yeah, and, I love watching Cops. <laughs> right, and well, it's called On Patrol or Cops or whatever. But yeah, you know they they they're going from state to state to state. But in South Carolina, mm -hmm. whenever they're in South Carolina and Florida, they just simply <laughs> say, you got a gun? Okay, well, that's fine. That's, you know, just just put it over there. Or, you know, it's, it's not a big thing. So they, they don't handle mm -hmm. that situation. But like, are those usually male officers? It's normally, it's male and females. They, they, they right. both respond the but same way. But most of the time, they're male, male officers. No, I'm I'm in terms Be of the show before the watching, overreaction comes. Well, what what? But my 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 point is, it's 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 is is geographical location to me. Right. I, I think they respond differently depending on where where they are, and and so I don't see it. Um, and I'm not saying that that might not be the case. Right, it, it very well could be the case, but in that case, of what you're explaining to, or, or what you sent me, I don't think that's the case. I just, I think that's the case of of a female officer or police officer uh, abusing power. That's what I saw. I, I didn't, I didn't see uh, sexism in in that at all. I just, because to me. Whether she was male or female, she just the police officer was just being a jerk, in my opinion. Yes, and I've seen and I've seen both um, male and female officers be jerks, and I thought she was just being a jerk. Indeed, um, you are listening to Black Mental Health and Race. We are at the one hour and eight minutes, brother. Um, I wanted to talk about Charleston White before we go. We're going to end early tonight, and uh, once again, we want to wish everybody a safe and happy New Year. We won't be back next week or the week after, but we'll come back in January 
with the state of black um, America as our first episode in January. I'll discuss that with you off the air, Dr. Moore. Um, but to end this uh, subject, we're going to keep it open um, because when you're listening to black mental health and race, we try to present different sides of the argument. You may see a video one way and somebody may see it another way. In your first year of uh, law school, what they're going to give you is these type of scenarios. And you may have to be, as a lawyer, the one that defends this cop. And you're going to have to present viable arguments that a reasonable person will understand. And you may not agree with the cop one bit, but as your job as the attorney representing that cop is how to present arguments that a reasonable person may consider. And that's what I did tonight. That is why our listeners, the people that listen to this podcast, are usually up among those people who are looking for a high vibration information session. And that's what we try to present uniquely here on black mental health and race. And that final question on this issue, brother, before I give you the last word, and then we'll go on to Charleston White, was giving all of the information that we just discussed, is it probable cause in the case of the officer, or was this person selected um, by racial profiling three black youth on a highway changing a tire? I think it was. I think I'll give you the last word on that. We'll keep this discussion open. Go ahead. Uh, I think it was a little bit of both. Uh, I think it was opportunistic. Um, you got, you know, three black people on the side of the road. Okay, they could be suspicious just because they're black. You know, is that racial profiling? Yeah. Um, you know, opportunistic. Yeah, so I just think it was a. I think it was a combination of of all of 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 all of that. I don't think that if it would have been three white people on the side of the road uh, mm. with with a flat tire, do I think that it would have went that way? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. In in Alabama, three white people mm. on the side of the road. They saying they're fixing a the car. <laughs> uh, white boy they got a gun on. a rifle in there. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, I got a gun. We all got guns over here. Oh, no problem. Okay, I will just put them over to the side right now. I just want to make sure everything is okay. Do I need Do I need to call a tow truck for you guys? You know, uh, you call. Do I need to call your parents? I think we've just been a whole different situation in Alabama. But you know, unfortunately, you know, black side of the road on the side of the road and. Yeah, these niggas could be committing a crime, or you know, <laughs> or going to commit a crime. Yeah. I just caught yeah. him with the flat ride. Right, right. <laughs> it's it's a different way of thinking about us on the road than it is of thinking about nice white folks on the road, especially in places like Alabama. But it happens here in New York City too, in D.C. too, as uh, Doctor Moore would attest to. But um, that's why I, 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 race 
and racism is an unpopular subject. I know we're not going to get a big audience from it, but people that want to have an intelligent discussion have to be open to these types of things. As uh, we started off this conversation about being open to other people's cultures, being open to other people's beliefs. Um, I hope we've given you an exercise in that tonight. And before we go, um, the energy that Charleston White puts out into the universe, I think, in my humble opinion, will eventually come back to bite you in the ass. Um, what did you think about him being... Um, he got a two-piece in the um, barbershop. He accidentally fell asleep. He got a little too relaxed. And two guys came in the near, and one punched him in the head twice. And then um, Charleston White's wife had to step in between, and uh, Charleston White got a broom. So when you, t- when you talk, 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 and maybe... There's something wrong with me, brother, because I saw the the black guy, Makai Washington, in the last story being a little sucker shit, and I did see Charlton White being a little sucker shit. Maybe you could give me another perspective or another angle at looking at this in terms of putting forth a certain type of male macho image, and then when you're actually confronted by someone that's about that life, you bitch up. Am, am, am I on the right page here, brother? Uh, <laughs> or do I just like to see people get get a... Um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. I, I'll just put it in your hands, brother, as we end the podcast tonight. Oh, I I, I surely see. I I didn't see the vid- I didn't see that video. <laughs> Of 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 Charleston White getting um, punched in the head. Although I probably would like to have seen that video. Um, There's something I, wrong with this, bro. I, I I I did I did see the video of him getting jumped on stage where he uh, hit the guy with a flower flower pot. I saw that video, but um, I only I only say and that Dewberry didn't do nothing to help him. But I, I and I only say what I'm saying about Tolson White is I think that that's a completely different situation than the video that you sent me with the, the cop, um, pulling, yes, you know, uh, uh, arresting this guy. Tolson White to me is the epitome of what you want to call sucker shit or bitching up, you know. Um, to to me, um, Charleston White talks out of both sides of his mouth, and <laughs> he he's epitome of what we call what we say in DC. We call it selling wolf tickets, mm. right? Meaning, you know, it, when you shouldn't let your mouth <laughs> write a check that your ass can't cash, mm. right? And and he talks a lot of shit. Right, <laughs> and so every ass whooping that he gets, in my opinion, he writes the <laughs> search. <laughs> on that note, brother, I'm gonna give you the last word on everything. 
and um, happy holidays to you, and happy new year to you, brother, and uh, happy new year to the universe, no matter what you believe. Take us home, brother. Yeah, bro. Um, I don't have a lot, um, but I, I'll say happy holidays, you know, um, to you and it's to good. the family, you, you know, as well, and and to the universe. Um, but yeah, I I think you should be very careful um, about putting certain energies out into the universe. If you don't want that type of smoke, and you should be careful. Mm about putting yourself in environments where something like that can happen. And Charleston White talks a lot of stuff. Um, uh, and I think that if, if I was going to put myself in situations where I welcome an ass whooping, then I would welcome the ass whooping. But you, he, he has the right to say what he wants to say. What he doesn't have mm. is the right to the reaction that's going to come from what he said. Mm. And so to me, you know, I, I'm i appreciative of every ass whooping that he gets <laughs> as, a, as a result of what he puts out there. You know, and, and, and that's why I say, you know, I, I know, you know, I no longer you know, claim street shit, you know what I'm saying, or gangster mm. roles, you know, and <laughs> things like that. Because I understand what comes with that. And I don't want no parts of that. Because I've, I've been there. I, live, I lived in that world. And Charleston White trying to play 50, right? And what I mean by 50 is one foot in, one foot out. You know, <laughs> like he's a he's an advocate for the community in one sense, but he's a gangster and a thug Right. Another sense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's a civilian and a gangster. Yeah, you can't you 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 can't you can't play both sides of the fence like that. Cause, right. Not with you the know, wolves. Right. Because <laughs> a, 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 a a dude on the other side, he ain't gonna respect your civilian. You being a civilian when you step over in 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 his lane. You step over in his mm. lane. You ain't no civilian no more. <laughs> yeah, you talk. You, you talking gangster talk. So you talking you about? I'm a, I'm, yeah, you talking about? I'm gonna die for mine, and I'm you know you get in between me and mine. I'm gonna you know all that. I'm ten toes down. Yeah, you, you talking on like yeah, really? nigga, I'm you, yeah, yeah, nigga, you a fuck nigga, you you bitch nigga, you man. Okay, then you know then don't then don't claim handicap after you get that smoke. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, you, you, yeah, you, you just a handicap nigga. You know, I'm gonna take out my eyeball. I'm gonna go in there. I can't see. You know, I, I, I'm like, you know, well, nigga, if you handicap, you should act like a handicap person. But don't, you know, but don't act like you're a gangster and then want to, you know, say, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over and get the police to protect me. Nah. <laughs> Nah, it don't work like that, man. You, you go, you know, you you go, you don't get what you deserve. Mm. You know, so I don't, I don't have no sympathy for Charles and White. I think I, I think he's, a, I think he's a joke. Mm. Indeed, brother. 
it, it just goes to show. But I think that's why I initially had the wrong impression of Makai Washington. I assume, because we don't see that on the video, that he must have been talking shit to this officer. But when she got the upper hand, she gave him back the same energy in words and uh, some physical of the energy that he put out there. I didn't, but there's nothing in the video that shows that he did that. Right. So it, we it just, neither it, one of us will know that. And uh, but that's where the intelligent conversation comes from. Um, it's it's not necessarily what we see, but what we perceive. And I think um, that's one of the things you get as a listener to black mental health and race, because race is a part of it. Not the individual, um, but the collective um, Romanesque, or, or what's another word for medieval um, way of treating things. I discovered one thing um, this week, brother, that when the 1900s came, America, United States in particular, stopped trying to have war on their soil. Um, there continued to be wars in, in third world countries like um, against Muslims and in uh, the Middle East, against um, Asian people in Cambodia, Korea, uh, Vietnam. But they began to, as the United States, began to choose their enemies wisely the ones that they would actually bring the smoke to, they couldn't do the same thing with the Asians like China or the uh, Europeans like Russians. That type of smoke um, stayed as a wolf ticket, 50-50 as you call it, <laughs> where neither one was willing to um, go the extra mile. I think America has been smart in that way in terms of uh, uh, fighting on their soil, because um, all of the dead bodies, which I think uh, Israel is going to find to be a problem, and Palestine is going to find to be a problem, all of the dead bodies have to be buried somewhere. And that type of lifestyle, that type of mentality, is what led to uh, Europe's first uh, plagues, the Black Death and all these other things, they were so in tune to war and just taking over people's lives, causing tyranny and taking over people's land. But the very places that they took over is where they brought back to Europe all of these strange diseases from all of the dead bodies that were around. This is something that I'm reading in um, the... Um, Will and Ariel Durant's um, history books. Um, I find them quite interesting, and um, I find this phenomenon of war and this phenomenon of um, putting the energy out into the universe and what you get back. And I hope that tonight's subject was interesting, and uh, I'll let you have the last word. We're at the one minute and twenty. We've got another five minutes. I'll give you the end for this 
and any feedback that you'd like to give. Oh, bro, I think I've, you know, I've given my perspective on it, bro. Um, I, I think um, America really learned its lessons um, in terms of fighting on American soil with the Civil War uh, and what happened hmm. in right. uh, what 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 happened at the end of eighteen, you know, eighteen sixty three, eighteen sixty five, um, mm. and they saw the devastation of what happened with that, and so America, the it all it almost destroyed America, and so right, it makes sense it they, right. So it it makes sense. Well, they they had two hundred, three hundred years of America, but right. America was just. Um, at that point, was was just being colonized by white people, right? <laughs> and being and being built on the backs of black folks, and so America was extremely progressing <clears throat> in terms of becoming as becoming a powerful nation, right? And that was almost destroyed in about three to five years of war mm. on on American soil. And so they pretty much vowed after that that they didn't want to have another war on American soil. So going into the 1900s was a result of them looking back at what happened when they had war here in, in this country. And they didn't want that to happen again. Yes, sir. I think um, the fall of America uh, makes it plain the the um the lessons of war the lessons of history and if you're not careful you will repeat that history you have to have something that um you learn from that makes living a lot better um i have a lot of complaints about the american lifestyle but um at the end of the day, it's one of the most, um, I can't see myself personally living in the, any other country, even if I'm told it's better. I do have yeah. aspirations to travel and, and see other countries and be open to other cultures. But as far as home, this, um, wilderness of North America is home. Yeah. Well, I I I hear people talk about people in this country talk about how bad it is in this country all the time, and you know, I and I've traveled abroad um, yes, to, a few, to a few different countries, and I can tell you that. Of all the countries that I've visited, I would want to live in. I would not want to live there at all. Mm. You know, um, a nice visit. Trump is, 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 you know, a nice visit is okay, but living there, right? <laughs> Hell uh, no. no. Y'all niggas ain't got no damn flies. Flies, waters, nothing. Man, let me tell you something. The poorest. <laughs> You could be poor as get out, right, in this country, right? And you, mm -hmm. and, you and, and you're poor, but you go to another mm -hmm. country and you think that you were poor? You see they poor. 
Man. If you see their average citizen, that just ain't even poor. You'd be like, Man. damn. <laughs> I'm so happy. I live in New York. Man. <laughs> Look. Right. You you talking about you live in the projects. Man, your projects is heaven. Go to go to Ghana. Right. And, 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 and see what they living like. You know. You ain't got no no plumbing. You ain't got no toilet. Nothing. Exactly. You ain't got no AC. You just man, you man, you don't know what you're talking about. You ain't got no in, uh, indoor outdoor plumbing. <laughs> That's man, where disease go, comes from, brother. <laughs> man, yes, yeah, because man, look, you you go to Ghana. If you make five hundred dollars a year, hmm, a year. That's a year, brother. If you make five hundred dollars a year, you got one of the top jobs in Ghana. <laughs> you ain't go there to build, brother. <laughs> well, you can build, but you're but you're building on top of poverty, right? Hmm. And so, what's gonna happen is psychologically, bro. All you're gonna do if you come from this country, or even if you don't come from this country, even if you live in that country, psychologically, you know, you you're still gonna have the have and the have nots. So mm. you're not going to live amongst the people if you have money, mm. right? Because what's going to happen if you live amongst the people, you're going to get robbed. So mm. you can't live amongst the people if you have money in Ghana. So you're going to live in the outskirts. And the outskirts mm. of where you live is going to be protected, meaning that you're going to have security to protect mm. what you have. Mm. Right, and what you're gonna do is you're going to exploit the people that are poor, right? Because you have stuff and they don't. So it's like if you live in this country and you have a little something, right, and you need work mm -hmm. done, you're gonna protect that, <laughs> right? And, and not only you're gonna protect it, but you're gonna get you're gonna go get poor people and Mexicans to come clean your house, to cut your grass, mm. to do X, mm. Y, and Z. If you go to mm. Ghana, if, if if you if you go to Ghana now, you are going to be considered just by default because you're an American that you have money. And mm. if you went to Ghana right now, you could with everything that you have and don't have, you could get the finest, one of the finest, baddest females in Ghana. Period. That's right. Period. And mansion, female and mansion. With you could, with mansion. You if, if 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 let's say you get a disability check, right? You know, if you went to Ghana and you got, let's say you got six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred dollars a month, you look like a king in Ghana. You would live like a king. <clears throat> Where you would be struggling over, over here and Ghana, you, you you live like a king. And that's why, I mean, I got I, mean, I got friends right now that have moved to Ghana. Mm -hmm. 
They lived in them. Mm. And they live like the like the, the riches of the rich that live here, they live like that in God. Right. But it's so Ghana. It, which is the poor is one of the <laughs> poorest countries. It's like it's like it's like mm. one Haiti. You know. Mm. I remember the first time I went to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited, right? <laughs> and I got to the airport, and they were going to take us from the airport to our hotel. Mm-hmm. I left out of the airport, and I was like, what the freak is this? <laughs> they put, put us on this little bus that looked like... I don't know what the fuck that bus looked like. It was like something in the 1950s to me. And we were driving to the hotel, and I kept seeing all these goats and dogs and shit. And the, I mean, like, it was nothing but dirt roads, you know, going to the hotel. And I was like, what the freak? Where the freak am I? Because I'm thinking from the pictures I had saw online when I booked. You know, I saw the resort. I saw I didn't see any of the shit that I saw once I got there. I was like, what the fuck? You know, and so I was like, I mean, everything up until I got to the hotel was like, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta mm. be kidding me. I get mm. I get to the I get to the resort and that shit is like an estate. It's like, damn, mm. this shit is crazy. It's like, I, I get there, the resort is nice as I don't know what. You know, mm-hmm. you got swim, you got swim up pools, you swim up to the bar, you know, all it, it's everything. Leave off that resort. Oh, <laughs> One step <laughs> off that resort. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you something. Enough. You step off of that, you better make sure you stay in that in that. Tourist lane, right? <laughs> Anything outside that tourist lane, you you can't be fifty fifty. You you on your own, bro? Because they go they 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 are going to know that you aren't Jamaican, and everybody's going to be trying to take advantage of you. Everybody, mm. you go to the market, mm. everybody's trying to sell you something. Every, mm. Man, it's it's crazy. Everybody's yeah. screaming at you and talking. Yeah, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's I, crazy. I think that's why um, this podcast about black mental health and race. We promote um, self improvement and um, positive thinking and education. No matter where you live, those are three things that build you up from the inside. Nobody can take that away from you. And then you can seize on these opportunities that are out in the world. You don't have to be um, settled in your reality. You can make a new reality for yourself. As Dr. Moore is showing me and explaining to me every week in his own humble way that um, I have to look up and see the advantages that I have and use those opportunities rather than just being rebellious and um, 
fighting the system, all that is well and good. But at the end of the day, you have to have something to fall back on. Um, I think that is the high vibration conversations that we try to have every week. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I tell you, if you decided, you know what, in the next year, I'm going to take myself, my daughter, my granddaughter, daughter to Ghana. Right. You went over to visit. And then you decided, you know, I'm going to move my family, my, me, my daughter, my granddaughter to Ghana. You could put mm. your, you could, you could put your granddaughter in the most elite school in Ghana. And she'll yep. get the most elite education for mm -hmm. pennies compared to what you mm -hmm. have here. Right. And she will have dual citizenship, mm. you know, there and here. Right. Could leave Ghana and go to any Ivy League, Ivy League school here, probably on sheer scholarship. Mm. You know, and that's why I say I always go back to, you know, the, the Holy Quran. You know, mm -hmm. no, that's that's not the Quran. It's it's a high D. And um and one of the high Ds it said um when man went to meet Allah and he said uh he was trying to explain to Allah uh why he didn't do X, Y, and Z while he was here on earth. And he was mm -hmm. telling them you know, well, I didn't have this, I didn't have that, you know, I didn't have this job, I didn't have the job, I didn't have this money, I didn't have this money. And Allah said to him, well, didn't I make my earth spaces enough? Mm. Yes, sir. Right? So, if you were struggling in New York, then why didn't you go to Atlanta? Why didn't you go to South Carolina? Why didn't mm. you go to Ghana? You know, why mm. didn't you go to X, Y, and Z? Because he said, I make man the Khalifa. The Quran says, Allah says, I make man the Khalifa. The Khalifa means ruler. Mm. I make man the ruler of the planet Earth. The things that fly right. in the air and the things that are beneath the sea. Mm. So he said, there won't so be you any can excuses. take advantage of the situation. Absolutely. So there won't be any excuses in the end. Mm. Indeed, brother. So whether you take advantage of the American educational system, judiciary system, whatever, if this system doesn't work for you, then go to where a system does work for you. Find one that does. Right. So, well, you know, I don't want to make a sound. You know, I don't want to sound elitist, but I'm just saying, you know, yeah. we, you know, I think we have to purpose um, and explain why the podcast is the way that it is. Um, I get uh, a lot of advice from other people. Um, oh, nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to listen to that. I'm saying you, you're probably right. Um, 
But this type of, um, we don't have entertainment here. We have edutainment, as we used to um, describe it in the mosque. Um, we don't have to be boring. Uh, we try to have lighthearted discussions about serious topics. But instead of entertaining you, which is low vibration, we want to have edutainment where we try to enlighten you to a, a different path, a different door, a different window of opportunity. And um, hopefully someone appreciates that. And we are thankful to anybody that listens that does appreciate it. Your um, participation in listening is everything to me. Absolutely. Oh, brother, we're going to take the um, show on the road and um, come back in a couple of weeks. Probably the third week of January, we'll come back and we'll have a three-week vacation. I wish you and your family all the best and um, all of the things that you desire. Um, Indeed, bro. And uh, you take care of yourself, brother, and uh, try not to get tased. <laughs> <laughs> Too late, bro. Too late. <laughs> and even if you do get tased, don't cry, bro. Man, man. Don't bitch up. Check your bitch up. I had to laugh at that video, brother. <laughs> but he gonna get twenty million from that. <laughs> so I can laugh all I want. <laughs> he gonna get that money because they dropped all of the charges. <laughs> yeah, they, they well, they, what they thought was fentanyl, and it wasn't even fentanyl. So she yeah. is in serious. They got the Alabama um, State uh, Bureau of Investigation invest. Investigating the police department and arresting him. So uh, yeah, he's gonna yeah. Have the last left. Yeah, and and again, <laughs> that's exactly when I saw that video. That's uh, there was nothing in that video that <laughs> that looked justifiable in terms of her action. So <laughs> makes sense to me. Well, God bless him and his family, <laughs> and. um just be patient, brothers and sisters. <laughs> it's all got to come back to you one day. <laughs> if you be patient. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum, brother. Peace to God. Peace to the universe. Ola, ola. I want you to understand and know the time. Black Mental Health and Race, the podcast, will be taking a three-week vacation. These are pre-recorded episodes, so by the time you get the next episode, it will be 2024, and we hope that you're doing well and thinking like a god. Um, stay tuned for season four the State of the Black Union to commence the restart 
of Black Mental Health and Rage.